Welcome to Keeg's Cast, the podcast with discussions of practical theology that seek to offer God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I'm your host, Keegan Richardson, and with me today is Miss Allie Proffer. Allie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am doing good. So we are continuing season two with the Ten Commandments. Commandment number two is today. Um, and that commandment is, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, which is the explicit commandment. And then he goes on to say that he's a jealous God, which is a whole nother topic. But so what do you think? What do you think of the first or the second commandment? I think it's really interesting. I think, um, especially to talk about, um, he instructs us not to create them, but more explicitly not to worship them and not to worship things that we as creation are not worthy of creating. Right. We, who are we to take the things of the heaven and to, to carve them or to make them into this thing that's worthy of praise? Because we, I mean, we're just not, we just don't have that power or right. that knowledge. We're not worthy of it. And we're not capable of understanding what God is fully. We're just not capable Absolutely. of it. Um, so oftentimes when we talk about idol worship, a lot of people just kind of put it off as like, oh, it's a 2,000-year-old sin. But it's really prevalent in today's society, especially in the American society. Um, and it's not so much as a physical statue of like a different God but something that we give false worship to that doesn't deserve our worship. Um, So God actually takes this really seriously. And if you look at the commandments, this is the most, uh, of the commandments, this is the most time and like verses and words he gives the most attention to. And it's the sin most prevalent among the Israelites when he is giving this commandment. So why do you think God is giving so much attention to the second commandment more than he did the first I think he gives attention to this, one, because obviously when he was giving these commandments to Moses, like you said, the Israelites were taking part in it. You know, they were making the golden calf and they were forming idols. But I also think it's important because he knew that it would be a sin strung all throughout history. I mean, even thousands of years later, here we are stuck worshiping technology and events and sports and things that and people you know, and things that aren't worthy of praise, he knew that we would, as humans, if we don't take the time to, to worship the Lord and to be fully satisfied in him, we, we just, we turn to other things and we look for other things for satisfaction. And I feel like there's always, we're always devoting ourselves to something. And if we're not very intentionally devoting that praise to the Lord, he knew we would take it and we would send it off to other things. Right. And I was talking with this with a buddy of mine a few days ago about how human beings are designed for worship. God created us with a heart to worship, but because sin is in the world, we often turn that worship, that desire for worship on things that are not worthy of worship. And that is pretty much just a spit in the face to God. Um, whether that be other human beings or sports or whatever it may be, like you were saying. Um, But on the surface of this commandment, it's kind of hard to see if you don't know biblical history and you don't know 
just theology of this commandment, why this is such a big deal. Because if you're making a statue or an idol that is representing the true God, why why would that be bad, you know? It's hard to see why this is such a big thing. So why do you think it's it's sinful to make even an idol, even if it's representing the true God, the true Yahweh? I think it's sinful because I think um, we, um, when Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve ate the apple, we were we were divided from the Lord and we were separated. And there was a certain amount of, I mean, the Lord didn't walk in the garden. With, there, we there was a separation, and I think um, there's within that separation, there's a certain amount of um, information or physical description or things of God that are hidden from us and who are we to fill that gap and try to piece together what we think the Lord looks like or the Lord I mean other than things he has revealed to us we don't know there are things about God that are hidden from us right and so we I mean we are he created us so who are we to go back and try to create and mold him into this thing that we can't make God into what we want him to be. He is sovereign and he is in power and he is solid and certain. And we can't, I just think it's sinful and to just try to take him and make him into what you want him to be. Right. I like that word revealed, which we don't, we don't really use that much in Christian circles anymore or just in general, but we, we try to eliminate the mystery of the gospel and limit the mystery of just the faith in general. And the thing about Christianity is that it's a spiritual thing. It's something that you can't necessarily see, which is why faith is such a big part of it. And when we try to make an idol or make an image to try and give that physical representation, I think, like you said, we're trying to reveal something to ourselves that God has not revealed to us. So if we don't know if we don't know what a certain thing is supposed to look like, it's because we aren't supposed to know what that certain thing is supposed to look like. Um, So to set up that image or statue to represent God at the end of the day is belittling his glory and our God is infinite. So if we try to put him in things that are finite, then it's stealing away from his glory. Absolutely. And trying to unveil the mystery of what's going on. The mystery that we weren't supposed to... Right. So the interesting thing about this commandment is that while God is giving the law in Exodus chapter 20, 12 chapters later in 32, Israel is breaking the second commandment before they've even received it with the worship of the golden calf. So uh, God pretty much takes his wrath down later to those people later in Exodus but the Bible is filled with instances of this of statues of false gods being destroyed. Um, King Josiah, in Second Kings chapter twenty three, um, he's kind of, King Josiah is kind of reforming the kingdom again because people were worshiping idols again. Um, but the first thing that they did when they were reforming the kingdom back to God was destroying those idols. So I f- it's not just the idols of God himself, but idols of false gods as well that he takes so seriously. Um, so ca- time and time again, 
Israel is struggling with this sin. And I think today we're still struggling with this sin. It's because our hearts are idol factories, like that quote you said earlier by John Calvin. Um, So the instance of this idol worship is still here today. And how do you how do you think we can eliminate that tendency to idol worship? I think um, to be intentional. I think um, for me, like going in and studying this, it was really eye opening to the ways that I um, to the things in my life that I've that I've made idols, and to be intentional with what I devote my time to and how I devote my praise and my worship and the things like what that looks like for me. I devote a lot of time to my phone or even to friends. There's even people that I've taken and I've devoted so much energy to that I've, and I've put them before the Lord and I've made them idols. And so I think for me, it's being intentional about where you put your time and where you put your worship. And it's just, it's just, it is, it's desiring and, and putting yourself in the word every day so that you, I mean, so that you put yourself in a solid footing and so that you know that like the more you learn the character of God and the more you walk with him, the easier it is to worship and to fall right in love with him. And so I think for me, it's just being intentional about where I put my time, opening my eyes to the things that I worship as idols and knowing and devoting my praise to the creator and the only one um, in Romans one twenty five, the creator who is praised forever. You know, it's just where they talk about they had exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Right. And there were all these, these th- there's all these things that I, if I didn't feel satisfied, I would just, I would just exchange. Like I would just, I would just take that truth for a little lie, but the lie might've made me feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I worshiped something here and I served something else because maybe it gave me a little bit of worldly satisfaction or it just, it helped me get through the day. And so I, I just... And every time I just feel like I would, I dug myself deeper into a hole and, and such. So I think it's just shifting back and serving the creator who is the only one who can be praised forever. Right. And that I think going back to like the revelation, the stuff that has been revealed to us, the best way to obey God's commands is to stay in the things that he has revealed to us, his word, his son through his word, the spirit through the word, um, and the best way to disobey those commands is to get in something he hasn't revealed and try to seem like he, he has revealed this. Um, which is, it's really practical and really simple things that we talk about and we say a lot. But like at the end of the day, if we don't practice that, then we're going to fall into the same sins the Israelites were. Yeah. Of idolatry and just worshiping something that does not deserve worship. Right, and how you talked about the wrath of God came on the Israelites in Colossians 3, 5, and 6 when it talks about, like, another practical way is put to death all the things of the flesh. You know, it's everything that in your earthly nature, your sexual immorality, your impurity, your lust, your evil desires, your greed, because those are idolatry. And even now in the New Testament, it's saying because because of your idolatry and because of those things in your earthly nature that push you toward that, the wrath of the Lord is still coming. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important to repent of those and to turn around and to worship the one true God so that you can be saved from his wrath right. in the end. Definitely. And 
the topic and the consequences of idolatry is not talked about most of the time when discussing the topic of idolatry. You know, God takes these things very seriously. Um, and like I, like I said, he does take his wrath out on those Israelites who were worshiping the golden calf. And in the New Testament, God has not changed. He's still going to take his wrath out on idolatry of things that are not even physical idols like lust and greed and the things that you just listed. Um, there's a quote by Thomas Watson who has a great book on the Ten Commandments. Um, and the quote is, God is to be adored in the heart, not painted to the eye. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's so simple, but it's how it should be. Um, and then in 1 Timothy 1.17, uh, we learn that God is invisible, and we learn that earlier in Scripture, but it, that's really plain where um, Paul says to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So God is invisible, so if we're creating something to represent him, we're trying to take that away from him, trying to reveal himself to us, and it's just not what was asked of us. Right, and I think it totally goes back to the part like we fail in our nature, in our sinful nature, and we, in our lack of faith, we go and we search out and we try to find anything that'll just make it a little bit easier. You know, like if I know this, it'll help me believe, and if I if I see this, it'll help me believe, and like if I can just make, if I can just have a tangible thing, it'll just it'll make me feel closer. When in fact, it's all just about having faith and trusting in the Lord and and being filled with the spirit and that leading you through. It's not, and I think that's, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I just, I think that's one of the hardest things about faith is the lack of the tangible things that make it. The lack of, the lack of sight. Absolutely. And a big teaching of the entire Bible is faith is what brings you closest to God, brings you into the presence of God, um, through the work of Christ, obviously. But when we try and make idols or when we try and, give physical representations of the invisible God. We're taking away that faith. So the thing that we think is bringing us nearer into the presence of God because we can, quote, see him, is actually removing us further away because it's not by faith. It's not what God has commanded through his revealed word. And it's super ironic the closer you think you're getting through a statue or through anything like that is actually taking you further away. Um, So, and then later in John 4, he says God is spirit. So he's spirit, he's invisible. So everything that God has revealed about himself is coming to the conclusion that you cannot see him. And it's so like us to just do the exact opposite of what God has told us in his word. So this topic can be kind of confusing when the Bible uses phrases like God's eyes go to and fro on the earth or he has hands or he has a mouth. Things, or he spoke. Right. Yeah. Like he has, when the Bible uses physical, physical attributes to describe him. Um, so researching this, this, that, when the Bible does that, it's called using an anthro homorphism I think is the correct term (laughs) sounds right it sounds right sounds fancy and educated so but it's basically when 
God is explained through human characteristics to better understand him. And it, like the first time I heard of this, it's really frustrating because you're like, if the, if the Bible says God has hands, but in reality he doesn't have hands, then why does it say that? Yeah, and I think it also speaks on like we, like we were kind of talking about, like our human minds are so, I mean, we're restricted only to the things we've seen and I mean that we can imagine, but we... I don't think we can comprehend the beauty of heaven and, and the things like in the way God is. And so I think it kind of speaks to like, um, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of is, but it speaks to our just, uh, we are so little and small and minute compared to like the power of God. That he has to almost like dumb himself down right. in order to get things across to us, you know? So... I don't know. That's kind of what makes you think of no, just how we're... No, definitely what it is. It's like being talked to like we're children. Yeah. In reality, we, you know, <laughs> we are. But so now that we, we can actually go into a physical aspect of this in the person of Jesus. So if it's definitely sinful and against the second commandment to make idols or statues of God the Father, is it wrong to make pictures or representations or images of God the Son, Jesus Christ, because he was man and God. Yeah, and I think that's a really, like, to kind of come at that from a lot of ways, that's really hard um, when you kind of think about it. And I think it's, I think the second commandment is taken a lot of ways, too. Some people think, like, you can't have art in places of worship. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it can be interpreted, but I think... Personally, when you talk about the things that we can imagine God in the ways that we talked about that he's revealed himself to us, and I think Jesus was given to us, and we have a general idea of what he looked like, and I think we know, like you said, we know he was fully man, and so we know what he looked like. We aren't taking him and making into something, making him into something he's not. We're, we're, but I mean, and I think it's different too because that's not worshiping a false god. We're right. worshiping the one true God right. in the form that he was presented to us. And so I don't necessarily think putting a statue or a rendition of Jesus um, is, I think it's it may be sinful to worship the statue, but I think to worship. But, I mean, I don't, what are your thoughts on it? I So Thomas Watson, the guy I re- read a lot, from and who had the quote about God is adored in the heart not painted to the eye he makes the argument that we should not make images of God the father or God the son because he was both man and God he wasn't like 50 50 60 40 whatever he was both 100% God 100% man so if you make images of his manhood Oh, you're diminishing you're, his Right, you're separating his, the yeah. two things, which you can't do, which is a really solid argument. I totally agree with that. But over, you know, he was a Puritan, so, like, he's long, long time ago. So, like, that argument has kind of changed over the course of history. And there is very renowned biblical scholars who say, okay, you can have pictures of Christ, just not in, like, a worshiping sense. And okay, like to worship or like in a worship setting? I don't know. Because like the, it's kind of confusing because like the Reformation, stuff like that, Catholics 
and Protestants are like completely at odds on this issue for sure that the crucifix you cannot have because it's a statue of worship or but like what about Sunday school material which yeah. is a very Protestant you know absolutely like I, I teach my I teach three-year-olds and we teach Bible stories and for them one of the only ways for them to understand it is to see some kind of picture or rendition of it right and I mean they color and so it's like how do you know what's okay and what's not because we obviously don't want to like I mean, if that's sinful, we don't want to put them in that right, and, yeah. and bring them up in that. And so it's, and I think it's really hard to, I mean, I, don't know. I do really, I do really like the idea that to make Jesus into a statue pulls from his power. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the same reason it's talked about in the second commandment. You can't, it be like you said, it belittles God. And I think that that's a very valid point. And I think it's harder for me to understand because we know what Jesus looked like. And so, I mean, we're just recreate. I mean, we kind of mostly know what Jesus looked like. And so I mean, we know of, he was a man. We know he have he has eyes. He right. has a mouth, probably had ears. I mean. I would hope. Or, I mean, I would think. Yeah. And then, and so it's like, I don't know. It's just, you, you obviously don't want to, you don't want to be sinful in that and so it's do you take I mean by are you I don't I mean this this I mean I had a 30 minute conversation with one of my parents about this yesterday but I don't like just being like well it's up to your interpretation because at the end of the day someone's wrong absolutely and within Christianity and within the topic of the commandments if you're wrong you're sinning in that aspect. And that's not something to take lightly right, at no, all. Like this is a serious conversation. So, and then the more research I did, like stuff, like movies we have that represent Jesus and his in the four gospels, where it's biblically solid, like it's using exact scripture. But is it wrong to show Jesus in that way? Um, and I don't know if we could ever arrive at just one conclusion but it's a it's a very serious thing um and i think you can i think at the end of the day you can use those for teaching and you know maybe a little bit of practical steps but at the end of the day we worship a triune invisible god that we cannot see and who has told us not to make images or anything likeness in likeness to him so Allie, at the end of the day, what do you think, what is your stance on the the Jesus part of this commandment? I think my stance is, like you said, I think I think in some instances to teach, it's helpful in bringing people Definitely. to the faith. But I think to build up a statue of Jesus and to worship it and to, I think, I think it's a valid point that it could pull from his power and that it could... Mm-hmm it could craft him into something that he's not. Definitely. I think a wise thing to do um, with the topic of the Jesus issue of this commandment is consider, like, just consider the grayness of the area instead of just being like, oh, it's it's obviously we can't, we can make images of Jesus. Like, it's not even a question because I think that's prideful and foolish. Um, 
But I also think on the other side, it's foolish just to be like, no, you can't have any images of Jesus. Right. Um, You know, Jesus told us, unless you have faith like a child, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. So if we're using pictures of Jesus to teach children about Jesus, is that childlike faith? Are we implementing something that shouldn't be there? Or is it just helping them develop that childlike faith? It's a, it's a big question. It really is. I mean, the more you, and too, it's like the more you think about it, the deeper it gets, mm-hmm. and then all these parts flow into it. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the gray area is there and something that I think takes a lot of attention and devotion and study, too. But like, like the people you were talking about, the biblical scholars now, what was their opinion on it? I think I missed it when you were. Well, like what I was, what they were saying is like some people think, no, like no images of Jesus. Absolutely not. And then others are like, oh, maybe like, okay, like a few to teach or things of that nature. But I mean, if there is, if there is a argument between biblical scholars who study this for a living and like it's their entire life, like it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. It's not just something we can be like, oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I think that, I think the wisest thing to do is just to look at that gray area and really take into consideration if you are using images of Jesus, are they images of worship or are they images to help teach or, you know, maybe there's an age consideration of people, you know, maybe children can use it. And then when you get to a certain point, don't use those to teach, just use, I don't know. Right. Like, I don't have the answers do you have the answers? I don't, I don't have the answer. I, I don't I know that I'm qualified to... I don't... I mean, like you said, if the biblical scholars... I mean, they're definitely more knowledgeable than I am, and so... Right. But, like, the thing, the crazy thing is, is this is the second commandment given in the second book of the Bible, and we still have gray area in that. Like, we haven't gotten to the rest of the law. Absolutely. We haven't gotten to the New Testament. Like, the Sabbath is a whole nother argument. Oh, my gosh, yes. So, it's it's just, I think it's the wisest thing to do is consider that these laws are serious. This is God commanding us to do certain things, to follow after him, um, and to really consider what our intentions are with using images of Christ, um, and just really consider how we are truly worshiping him within our heart. Are we worshiping the image or are we worshiping the Christ who is revealed to us in scripture, in scripture alone, or is it something that we're trying to create with our own hands? Right, and I think that's kind of what we touched on, um, like the worship maybe of pastors. Like, are we worshiping? I think there are a lot of people who idolize pastors and teachers and preachers and people who speak the word Mm -hmm. are you idolizing them and their teachings or are you making an intentional effort to use those teachings to build your knowledge of the lord and his character and then using that to worship him because i think a lot of times it's easy to fall in love with with the way things are being said and the way they're being presented and to love and support those things um, to a point where it becomes an idol to you rather than taking those things to build your faith 
and faithfully going to worship the Creator. Right. I think, you know, I couldn't sort of said it better myself. So, you know, we've talked about kind of the, the commandment and the Christ aspect of it, the anthropomorphism of the situation. Um, so the practicality is what is in the mission statement of Keeks Cast. So what do you think are some practical steps we can take within this commandment? I think um, practically things to kind of address and to talk about, um, like you said, when addressing one that gray area too, is to go into it with discernment and with wisdom and to acknowledge the teachings and to make sure that um, kind of to like self-check your actions, make sure like are the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm devoting myself to are those taking a place on my priority list higher than my faith or higher than studying or higher than worshiping the one true God. And like you said, I think the more you know too, the more you put yourself in the word and the more you fill yourself with knowledge, the more these things become apparent to you. Right. And so for me, I learned in this study more about idolatry than I had ever learned because I was one of the, I was like, I don't, I don't build stat, you know, like I don't, right. I don't craft a false God out of stones. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine. And then I had to go. And like I said, in Colossians, when it talks about sexual immorality and lust and evil desires and greed and all those things are like, our idolatry and our well, the, why the wrath of God is coming. I was so convicted because I was just kind of knocked down. I was I was humble. I was this is something that I take part in daily, right. you know, and I devote a large part of my time to because as a human, they were they were there. They were tangible. They were right. things that I could put my hands on rather than taking my faith and stepping out into that and growing. And so I think it's kind of like I mentioned earlier, that was kind of a long ramble, sorry, but it was, it was mostly to the idea of the more you fill yourself with the word and the more you learn his teachings, um, the, at the end of the second commandment, when it says, um, in verse six, um, but he shows loves to a thousand generations of those who love, but he's sh- sorry, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Right. And so I think it's being intentional about knowing the commandments of the Lord and keeping them and also being so keen and aware to where you devote your time. Because for me, it was just, I, by making myself more knowledgeable, I was able to kind of pull back from that and repent and, and turn of the things that I had elevated above God. Right. And, you know, that's an awesome thing to testify to, to share. Um, So, like you were saying, the practicality kind of gut check yourself with God's word by the spirit. Um, Just, and I think my side of the practicality of it is to take worship seriously. I think as a nation, um, as a civilization, we don't take worship with enough reference and like we we do not have the power to say what how we worship god has given us those means god has given us the steps to take and what not to take um so at the end of the day just make sure you consider 
and reverence and um, come into the place of worship with reverence and awe. So, Allie, any, any last words for our guests? I mean, you wrapped it up pretty perfectly. I mean, that's, I think that's super important and a super awesome thing to touch on is the importance of worship is something that should never be taken lightly and the power that it has to heal, I right. think, is something. I think, yeah, I, I couldn't have said it more perfectly. I love how you wrapped it up, so. All right, perfect. Well, all has been heard. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. I am your host, Keegan Richardson, with Allie Proffer. And this has been Keeg's Cast. <laughs>